Hello, everyone, and welcome to Community Chat with Kelly and Yoshima. And today we have the Director of Victim Services from our District Attorney's Office, Ms. Carla Williams. Welcome, Ms. Williams. Good morning, Kelly and Yoshima. So glad to be here. Good morning. We are so happy to have you here on the show today. Glad to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about um, victim services and what you all offer? And then when do you all really kick in to help people in the community? Or just tell us how it all works. Okay. So just a little background. Um, the victim services program within the district attorney's office began back in 1986 under the um, district attorney at that time, Mr. H. Lamar Cole. And so the purpose of starting the victim services program was to um, assist victims in felony crimes. They were falling through the cracks at that time. They didn't have any direction on what to do. They didn't have assistance to uh, guide them through the criminal justice system. And so we were just doing them a disservice because there was nothing available to help them who had been traumatized and victimized. So the uh, district attorney at that time saw the need to start the victim services program. And um, also we are in the Southern Judicial Circuit, which means that we serve five counties, Lowndes, Brooks, Eccles, Colquitt, and Thomas counties. And so with, within each of those offices, um, we have victim advocates. So there are a total of eight victim advocates in our circuit. But because Lowndes is so big, we have five victim advocates working in the Valdosta office. And so how it works is once a crime is committed, a felony crime, and the person is arrested, then the warrant is forwarded to our office. And at that time, we be begin the prosecution of the case. And at that time, we provide victim services. Um, often it can start if it's a murder, uh, for instance, with crisis response. And that's where law enforcement will reach out um, to myself and ask that we respond to the scene to assist with the victim's family and any onlookers that may need assistance. So um, really our victim services can start before an arrest is made, but 95% of the services we provide are in cases where an arrest has been made. And so the purpose of the victim services program is to help victims navigate through the criminal justice system, because oftentimes um, victims have not had any contact with the criminal justice system, so they, they don't know what to expect. And so we help them to navigate through the system by um, providing um, support, whether it's going with them to court, um, attending, um, interviews at the Children's Advocacy Center, if it's a child, um, going to medical appointments, or um, just picking them up to take them to court, or whatever the case may be, but we provide direct victim services and support for um, people who have been victimized in felony crimes. Now, when you say victims, is that what happens if the actual victim in the crime is deceased like who who is left to serve um as far as with that particular case do y'all provide support to families or 
Any yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, we do. When a person is a um, victim of homicide, of course, we serve their family. That could be next of kin. That could be spouse, parents, siblings, grandparents. And by providing support, I mean, um, after we've provided crisis response, then we let them know what's available to them as survivors. So in the state of Georgia, we have a program called Crime Victims Compensation. Every state has this program, but the program um, is set up to assist victims who are um, victimized by violent crime. In the case of homicide, it assists with uh, the funeral expenses, if the family members need counseling, if the victim um, had children, it can provide loss of support up to a certain amount for those children. Um, it can provide um, money for crime scene cleanup if, if the crime happened in um, someone's home and you know um, there's things that need to be cleaned up because of the crime. It also assists with that. So we tell them about that particular program. We help them complete the application um, we submit the application for them. If they need assistance getting the police report, we get that as well. So we help them get as much as they can through this victim uh, compensation program. I think that is great um, that we have this resource in our community for individuals who may be victims of crimes. And another thing is I know that some people may not have had to use this as a resource, but it's always good to know what's going on in our community and what resources are available just because the individual may not need it, but they may know someone else who may come into a situation and can assure them like, hey, there's support for you in this particular time that you're going through. And I know you all do a very good job with reaching out and having that relationship with law enforcement to be able to provide those services. So kudos to you all for that. Yes, and we work with not only law enforcement, but we work closely with the Children's Advocacy Center and the Haven. In terms of the Children's Advocacy Center, whenever a child has been abused, whether it's sexual abuse or physical abuse or neglect in some um, cases, um, that child is interviewed at the Children's Advocacy Center. And the purpose of that is so that the child does not have to repeat over and over again to different individuals, strangers, basically, um, the details of what's happened to them and hoping that will help lessen the trauma that they've already experienced. So the Children's Advocacy Center is a great asset in our community, and through our partnership, it strengthens our prosecution of those cases because um, that interview is videotaped, and there's a trained forensic interviewer that um, interviews the child and helps us get the evidence that we need to prosecute the case. And so in terms of the Haven. Uh, we work with domestic violence victims, and they have been a great resource for us through their advocacy program. Um, if it's a sexual assault case, 
They're also a great resource in terms of doing the um, SANE exams and SANE means sexual assault nurse examiner who's trained to do those examinations that also help in the prosecution of that particular case. So we have great community partners that we work very closely with to help our victims um, get justice and to help them heal during their process. That is awesome. So are there ways that people can get involved? Is there some type of help for your office that would be needed? Well, our office facilitates what's called the Lowndes County Family Violence Task Force. And that task force meets um, monthly within our office, usually the first Friday of each month. And so we always welcome people who are interested in helping um, survivors of domestic violence to get out awareness anything of that nature that they're interested in, the task force is open to anyone from the public who wants to um, assist in that effort. Okay. So since this summer, has there, is there an increase during the summer that you see? In terms of crimes across the board or one crime in particular? And yes, it seems to, for some reason, when the weather starts getting warmer, we typically start seeing uh, an increase in crime because when it's cold, um, people don't like to get out as much. And so really, it seems like spring, when things start, start to warm up, people get out more and we do see an increase in crimes. And unfortunately, that includes, that includes homicides. We've seen an increase um, in homicides when it gets warmer as well. So for some reason, um, things are kind of a little dormant during the winter and they kind of wake up when it gets warmer. So yes, there is an increase. And that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yes, it, it does. does. It, it makes does. sense. It's kind of like how the flowers bloom when it's, you know, when it's cold, you don't see many flowers blooming, but right. I guess people's behaviors also tend to not be so good during that time when things Absolutely. are renewing and opening up. Now, yeah. I know you Would all you, have, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask if, do you see an upswing in juvenile defenders or offenders? Um, yes, Yoshima, unfortunately, there is an increase in um, juvenile crimes. Um, and I think in particular, because of uh, COVID, you know, there was a time when school was out. And so some children didn't have an outlet. And so they found themselves in trouble. So yes, um, unfortunately, our um, juvenile crimes are steadily increasing and mostly is property crimes and unfortunately violent crimes more and more violent crimes and I would say to go back on what you said you know the kids just they do not have an outlet and that's not just for you know some kids that's for all kids there's not enough activities here 
um, for parents to do with their children or places for their children to go. And of course, once they get to be a certain age, it kind of limits of what types of programs and things like that that they could be involved in. But I, you know, I would like to, you know, challenge parents to know where your children are at all times. You know, even if they're going to a friend's house around the corner, you need to know who that friend is. You need to meet their family. You know, those types of things. You just never know what the children are being exposed to. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's bad because I tell my kids all the time, even looking at commercials, I remember when it was maybe a bra commercial or undergarments commercial or personal hygiene items, they never showed you what it was, how it worked, or any of those things. Now it's like, it's BIM, it's like right there, it's like R-rated on commercials, and it's crazy. So it's, it's, it's sexualized, the whole works, and, and all the killing and the songs and all those things make it seem... As, as if it's okay. And so I have noticed, and this is my personal view, is that with technology, no one uses their own personal brains anymore like we used to. You look for Google to tell you the answer instead of figuring it out or learning, you know, reading about it and things like that. So it's just kind of disgusting because, I mean, you can stay in some of the nicer neighborhoods, trying your very best to create a safe environment and you're still being violated by young kids and you're like where do you live where are your parents why is nobody missing you at two o'clock in the morning you know or you're riding through town coming in late at night and you've got kids that look like they're in elementary school who are walking by themselves and I, I guess that's just a high horse I'm gonna try to get off of but you know I, I can see why there is an upswing, you know, in, in violence amongst juveniles, but, um, yeah. And I agree with you, Yushima. Um, but I, I, when I think about, um, young people and I think about raising kids, I I often think about, uh, what I call getting their business, meaning, Mm -hmm. um, when you're in my house you know we don't do the closed doors all the time and mm-hmm. you know I don't know what you're doing I'm I'm in your business because you're That's in right. my house That's so correct. if we could take that approach of getting mm-hmm. in our kids business who live in our homes because you know this is my room you know every room <laughs> in this house is my room so um I think if we could you know go back to the old school approach of getting and knowing what our kids are doing, getting into their business, then I think that, you know, we can teach them, no, this won't be tolerated. You know, you know, this is how we're going to handle this. Teaching them how to be a good citizen. Mm -hmm. Teaching them how to be respectful. Exactly. That is so important because sometimes, with juveniles and I know we're talking about juveniles now but I know like sometimes with them it's like any type of attention is good attention so I think the getting in their business not only is just seeing what they're doing but there's also showing that you actually care what they're doing and want to help provide support for them and whatever they may be facing and I think sometimes that opportunity is missed when parents are so busy trying to do other things rather than pointing to their children as well with showing that they care. So sometimes 
those uh, negative behaviors are to get attention and it's a cry out for help too. So I'm looking at that from both ends with providing that support, being involved and getting in their business. I like that a lot. Yes. And the other thing is when I um, go to court and I see particularly African-American kids, they go up one by one and they all have the same sense of hopelessness. It's, it's a sense of, well, just give me what you got. It doesn't even matter. Like they have no hope. And so it's, it's very sad. It's very, you know, disconcerting. When I see that, I, I pray, you know, Lord, what can we do? What can we do to help them understand that they are valuable? They are loved. They have um, a lot to contribute to society. And so many of them are so intelligent, very, Mm -hmm. very intelligent, very talented, very gifted. But when you don't have anyone to um, perhaps um, support you and tell you those things, Mm -hmm. then it's easy to get lost. It's easy to go in the street and look for that love that you you're mm-hmm. missing at home or whatever the case may be. So I see so many young people come through who again have no sense of hope. And so they grasp at whatever they can to try to feel the love that they're missing. Mm-hmm. And so that that starts at home. And and some of the things that we grew up learning about morals and values and how to treat each other and what love is, unfortunately, it doesn't feel like it's being passed down as much from generation mm-hmm. to generation. It's, it's gotten lost. And so I just think that if we can get back to some of the old ways of uh, being raised mm-hmm. about, you know, being respectful, you know, to your elders, being respectful regarding um, how you carry yourself, how you treat others, that learning that respect, that self-respect, first of all, would make a huge difference. But it's a huge problem. But the way I look at it is, if you can get one, right. one child to understand you are special, you can be whatever you want to be, you are loved, get them to understand that and believe that, then we can make a difference, even if it's one by one we can make a difference. That's so true. That's so true. And I, and I know we have um, mentoring programs here that individuals can look into and, and maybe we can have some of those mentoring programs on the show as well. So parents will know, you know if they need some help or if there's a, a missing parent in the household, they can look and see what resources are out there for getting some mentors. So shifting a little bit um, before we go, kind of wanted to talk about the program that you all do for like Victim Rights Week. And um, I tell you, it's really a touching time. And it's, it's so nice to have that program for families can reflect on their loved ones. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, every April, nationally, one week is recognized as Crime Victims Rights Week. And so um, during that week, we, we didn't do it this past year because of COVID. 
and hopefully we can start back up next year. But we hold a, a program, a ceremony and luncheon. And what we do is we invite families of um, homicide victims um, from the previous year. We ask them to bring a picture of their loved one. We put it on a table. We have candles on the table. And so we take a moment during the program and call out each victim's name and their family member comes up and lights a candle in their honor. So we've been doing that um, particular um, ceremony for about going on 15 years now. And so um, it's sad that we have to have names to call out, but it also, um, is a comfort, I believe, to the families, knowing that our office cares, we're going to do everything we can to um, prosecute the person who took away their loved one. And so it's, it's just a time of reflection and a time of recognition during Victims Rights Week. And thank you. Thank you for the work that you all do in our community. It's so needed and so appreciated because some areas do have the resource, but they're not as active and proactive as the one that we have here in Valdosta, Lowndes County area. So I cannot thank you all enough for the services that you all provide for us. Yes. Thank you all so much for um, having this platform to share that information because it, it boils down to people just don't know because they don't hear the, the information is not out there. So I do applaud you, Kelly and Yoshima for creating this platform to help our community um, be educated about what's out there, what resources are available to help them in what area they need help in, whatever area that may be. So I just thank you all for taking this time to have me on your show. And I just wish you all much success. Thank you. Thank you. Now, is there a website or um, a, a social media platform that individuals can also search and get more information? Um, unfortunately, right now, we don't have those resources, but I can provide our phone number if they have any additional questions or find themselves in need of services. And that number is for the district attorney's office here in Valdosta. And that number is 229-671-3250. Fantastic. And thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy schedule to um, meet with us. Uh, we truly appreciate it. And if you want to stay in the know, please look us up on our social media sites, on Instagram and Facebook at Community Chat with Kelly and Yoshima. And tune in every week on Thursdays to listen to our broadcast. And we will definitely keep you in the know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Community chat with Kelly and Yoshima.